the title that I've given my message is Intimacy with Jesus Through an Open Door. That's, that's the title I've given the message. Uh, the, the passage of scripture that I've got here, the passage that I'm going to be reading is, you, you can follow or just listen, I find it's easier just to listen, is uh, Revelations uh, 3 from verse 14 to 21. Uh, I'm go- I want to read it two different translations because it, it draws, I feel it draws more meaning from the passage. Um, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the church of Laodicea, write the following. This is to the angel of the church at Laodicea. This is a solemn pronouncement of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have acquired great wealth and need nothing, but do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Take my advice. Buy gold from me, refined by fire, so that so you can become rich. Buy from me white clothing so that you can be clothed and your shameful nakedness will not be exposed. Buy eye solve to put on your eye so that you can see. All those I love are rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Listen. I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his house and share a meal with him and he with me. I will grant the one who conquers permission to sit with me on the throne just as I conquered and sat down with the Father on his throne. If while I'm re- reading this passage, you have an image of God th- that has a whip that's trying to whip you into line or beat you into line, then I present to you that you're following the wrong God. This is the uh, this is out of the passion. Again, uh, I like the way. Th- It sort of presents it from verse 15, the Passion. I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other, but because you're neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out my mouth. For you claim I'm rich and getting richer, I don't need a thing, yet you are clueless that you are miserable, poor, blind, barren, naked. I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can neither be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shamefulness. Adam's nakedness. um, Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can 
you can truly see. All this ideally love, all those ideally love, I unmask and train. <laughs> I like that one, eh? I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, you and open the door within, I will come to you and feast with you, and you will feast with me. The, the background of Laodicea is, is that it was a very wealthy, uh, a wealthy region, wealthy town. It, um, the, the commentators say that it was known for its banking systems, and, its, uh, and so a lot of peop, uh, people made a lot of money at Laodicea. Um, and what, what, what I, one of the words I felt just to, that God was, wanted us to re-examine who we are because we are in a privileged society. You know, I, I came from a third world country and, um, and so the poverty was more evident where I came from than what we exposed to here. Um, and what I've, I felt God was, let, let's re-examine our wealth. Is our wealth a distraction or is our wealth something which is, is not distracting us from God? Um, <clears throat> the, these, the part of the wealth that I feel God wants to give us is in our relationship with him and in our relationship with each other. That's also, yeah, it refers to material wealth, but I also felt the wealth that God wants to give us is a wealth in relationships with each other and a relationship with the Lord. Um, love must, must be without hypocrisy, and this is just speaking to relationships with each other. Love must be without hypocrisy, um, hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness in honoring one another, do not lack zeal, be enthusiastic in the spirit and serve the Lord. So, so re, again, re-examine your relationships with each other, you know. Is, is this the, the level, the bar that you're measuring yourself to? Or are you taking on the world system by saying, it's okay if I don't li- dislike anybody, you know? That's, that's par for the course. But, but yeah, God wants us to get along with everybody in the community. Um, <clears throat> what, I, what I want to go straight to is, is uh, the, the picture of Christ. And uh, just to look at who's knocking at the door. It's Jesus knocking at the door. Who is this Jesus? In, um, in the early church fathers, the, they, they had a term to describe the Trinity. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. You see, by using those terms in the Bible, God's into family. 
He wants to build family. Um, and the, the early church fathers, they, they used a word, uh, was a Greek word, to, to describe this, this trinity, this unity. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, read just, I'll read some of it. The, the word that they used is a word, word called perichoresis. That's the word that was used. And the word is broken up, can be broken, the Greek word can be broken up. Um, I'm no Greek scholar, this is straight from commentaries. Uh, peri meaning around, and koron meaning to give way or to make room. Some, um, some scholars picture this as a choreographed dance, and this is the This is the part that I love, that God is calling us to a choreographed dance. Let me read a little bit more about this. All members of the dance move at, as one, precisely and fluidly to create meaningful work together. This is God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. In this, in this freedom arises a fellowship and a sharing so honest and open and real that persons involved dwell in one another. There is a union without loss of individual identity. When one weeps, the other tastes the salt. Just as I said, um, it is only the triune relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit that per, that personal relationship of this order exists. And then in the early church they used the word uh, perichoresis. Um, perichoresis can be seen with Jesus' prayer in John 17 verse 1. Um, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that your, so that you uh, may glorify you. So there's a personal relationship taking part between the Father and the Son. Uh, we compare this with John 16:14, uh, in which Jesus says, "The Holy Spirit will glorify me." Again, there's that that interpersonal relationship taking place. I'm talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the relationship that they have with each other. Allow your imagination to, um, to use this fertile ground. So the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, the, the Father glorifies the Son. The loving relationship within the Trinity result in the person of the Godhead giving glory to one another. Perichoresis is the fellowship of three co-equal persons perfectly embraced in love and harmony and expressing intimacy 
that no one can humanly comprehend. The Father sends the Son, which is John 3.16, we know that passage well, you know, God so loved the world. The Spirit proceeds from the Father and sent by the Son, which is John 15.26, another example of the perichoresis with the result that God's people are blessed. The, the other picture that I picked up of this, uh, this, this, as I like to call it, the divine dance between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is, um, it, just let me find my place here. It will go to, oh, yeah, it is. Um, anybody Greek amongst us? Greeks? Greeks? No Greeks. <laughs> yeah, it's a pity they can explain to us how they break plates and everything at weddings. Um, if any of you ever been to a Greek wedding, you may have seen their distinctive way of dancing. It is called perichoresis. There are two dancers, but at least three, they start to go in circles, weaving in and out in this very beautiful pattern and motion. Again, allow your, allow your imagination of, of actually seeing this dynamic relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They start to go faster and faster, all the while staying in perfect rhythm and in sync with one another. Eventually, they are dancing so quickly, yet so effortlessly, that you look at them, it just becomes a blur. The individual identities are part of the larger dance. So the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are part of this divine dance that is the early church fathers and mothers uh, looked, looked at the dance and said, that's what the Trinity So, so how, does, how does that tie into what I'm saying? Um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to demonstrate is, is this Jesus that is knocking on the door. This Jesus that it says, knock, and then he talks. And he says to us, we are to open the door to him. So he knocks and he speaks. He doesn't say, if you hear my knock, open the door. He knocks, in other words, he gets our attention, and then he, he, uh, he speaks. That's the way God deals with us. Gets our attention, he speaks, and then, as we heard from, from Yaku uh, last week, the door is your will. You decide whether you're going to open this door or not. If you have a picture of a father, as I read through the, the, the rebukes of the early passages of Revelation, if you have a picture of the father that, that is beating you up, you're never going to open the door. You're never going to allow Jesus in because you have a wrong view of God. And this is what I'm feeling that, as it were, God wants to do with us 
is, is, to, um, is to take us into a fresh revelation. Grandma Mary this morning was in prayer beforehand was talking about, about rivers. And the wonderful thing about rivers, rivers meaning that's the life that God wants to bring to our community, the wonderful thing about rivers is they're always, they're always moving. Um, and and I've, I've known the Lord um, in the Jesus Revolution, 1972. <laughs> it's dating me there, but, uh, but I, I've known the Lord since then. And when I go through this stuff, it, it, it's, like, it's like I met the God yesterday. You know? you, it, it, there's so much more depth to what God wants to take us into. This, he wants to, as I'll show you from scriptures, He wants, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are having this divine dance together, the purpose of Him is that we participate in this divine dance. He wants us to come into this divine dance. This is the Jesus that is knocking. Um, as a result of this, he's given to you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. So Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in this wonderful dance, giving glory to each other, now, he says, you can experience the partnership of his divine nature. So he's inviting us into this dance. Thanks. That was Second Peter 1 verse 4 in the Passion Translation. And this, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up the fullness of God, which is Ephesians 3 verse 19. Again, the invitation there is to participate in this wonderful dance that God has given us. The law of the life-giving spirit in Christ has set you free from the law of sin. In him was life and the life was the light of mankind and the light shines in darkness but darkness does not know how to master it. Wonderful, eh? But to all who receive him, to those who believed on his name, he has given the right to become the children of God not born by human parents or by human desire or human decision, but by God. That's 1 John 1, 12 and 13. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. Um, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. 
one of the thoughts I had that prevents us from opening the door to Jesus is a wrong view of God. And this is part of the truth I feel God is, is opening our minds to, is to see him in a, in a, a new and a fresh way. Um, the, the common thing I find is I've got to get my house in order before I come to God. So in other words, when you, Jesus is standing at the door and knock, he, do, he doesn't say, look here, get your house in order and then open the door. He doesn't say that. What he says, if we go back to that, um, uh, the, the passage earlier on in Revelations, he says here, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in, uh, into his home and share a meal with him and he with me. So the earlier passage earlier on was saying he's going to give us a white robe and he's, he's going to give us eye solve. apparently Laodicea was also known for producing this eye that helped eye infections and helped people see better. And Laodicea was known for that. So he draws from the imagery of that. So what, what God... What God is doing is, is He comes with the robe and He comes with the eye salve. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if your house is in complete disarray, He comes to sort it out. You don't have to sort it out. All you're doing is saying yes to Jesus. And the Jesus that I'm trying to represent here is, is this Jesus that has the divine dance with the Father, and that's what we here to participate in, is to participate in this divine dance. Um, love is a freedom to choose. I, I chose to marry Linda. When I found out all her faults, <laughs> I chose to continue to love Linda. <laughs> love, love is a choice to open that door to Christ in all these areas and just some of the areas felt was relationships and, and, and healing which is what we're going to do for David tomorrow um, those, are, those are just some of the areas which I feel God is as it were knocking on the door um, for us to become participants of it. Um, I, listen to, I listen to Greg Boyd quite a lot, and he uses this terminology, uh, lobotomize. Does everybody know what lobotomize means? Nobody? Um, lobotomize, the first time I was exposed to it was in the 60s, um, my, my, father was a, my father was an alcoholic and he, he went through, used to go, they used to have these rehab clinics, he used to fall off the wagon, never abused us as a family, he, always, he was a very loving person. Um, but he, they used to go to clinics and, uh, and they keep them there for days 
and they did things which were horrific in nowadays because we know more about things like this, is they used to put them through shock treatment and all that. And one of the procedures that they used to do to these alcoholics when they, they used to put them there for a week, sometimes a month, um, is to lobotomize them. And what lobotomize means is that they go into a certain area of the brain surgically and, and kill something. And that takes the desire for alcohol apparently away. It was an extreme thing. My dad never had it done. But there's one of the treatments they used to have in that, in that clinic. And when, when we say God does not lobotomize us, it means that we are not robots. We choose to follow him. We choose to serve him. That's the beauty of, of loving God, is he wants us to become part of this dance, but we have to choose to become part of it. Um, the, on, on healing, I just was, oh, was listening to Bill Johnson, and I, I found something that was wonderful which was uh, a saying he had, talking about real faith. He says, um, he says, real faith does not de deny the existence of a problem. Real faith denies the problem a place of influence. Real faith does not deny the existence of a problem. Real faith denies the problem a place of influence. What I, what I want to close with is... Um, I'm just going to need my glasses for this. I, I printed these in large prints. So I need my glasses. <laughs> for those of you of age, you will understand what happens there. Um, So I thought this picture of, of one of the parables, what, what this gentleman does, what's his name, Frank Viola, is, is he personalizes um, some of the stories in the gospel. And the one I wanted to read to you, and I'll close with it. And the one is about the wedding. You know, the wine and the wedding? That one. So what, what he does, which I which I thought was a lovely way of presenting it, he personalizes it. So he puts you as the character of the, 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 the woman at the wedding um, that was getting married. I think it was a woman, man, I can't remember. But he, he, he puts you in that position, saying you that person that's at the wedding that has run out of wine. It's your wedding day, and you are, you are the excited bridegroom. You are fully responsible for supplying both food and wine, as is the case with every bridegroom in the first century. The, the event is moving along wonderfully until the wine runs out. This oversight is your fault. You failed to properly calculate how much wine was needed. Some of your guests begin looking for wine, but there's none in sight. 
the fact that the wine has run out is a social disgrace. Okay. Oops. Please, as I say, accept the interruption. There we go. <laughs> so, fail to properly calculate how much wine is needed. Some of your guests begin wine, but there is none in sight. The fact that the wine had run out is a social disgrace. You are humiliated and nervous and dreading the reaction from your guests. Thankfully, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is, is it present. He has compassion on you and, and your loving bride. So in order to spare you from major embarrassment on the greatest day of your life, Jesus does the impossible. He transforms the water into six stone jars into wine. But it's not your typical wine. Jesus creates fine wine better than the original uh, batch that you secured. Not only that, but the stone jars of a new wine are the equivalent of 180 gallons, uh, which is 900 bottles. That's quite a wedding, eh? <laughs> What's going on here? The Lord Jesus has removed your shame. He's eliminated your disgrace. He covered your oversight and he did it extravagantly. So despite your failure, Jesus ended up making you look like a hero. Your guests rave about how incredible the new wine is and they attribute it to you. <laughs> now, isn't that an incredible Lord? I can love a Lord like that. And that's what we call to. That's the loving call of, of Jesus as he, as he knocks on our doors of our life. He doesn't just knock. He says, hear my voice. He wants to speak to us. He wants to communicate us. He wants to take us into a deeper relationship. If you've got misconceptions or things are dirty in your house, don't try and sort them out. Look to Jesus. He's the one that brings the, the, the cloak to cover your shame and the eye solve to give you better insight that's what I feel uh, the eye solve was to give you better insight into the truths of God which will set you free so that we aren't bound up by images of the world and, and therefore we can reach each other in greater levels of, of love and then the rest of the world. Amen. Amen. Eh?